1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sneaker History Podcast. We have a nice little special edition here where I sit down with somebody. Um, we have one Ian Stonebrook in the house, and uh, we're going to talk about kind of his journey, some some fun things in the past, uh, white chocolate with some of the best tattoos ever made, and just, um, just an overall fun conversation. Man, how you doing, Ian? Yo,
2: yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me.
1: It's a pleasure. I've wanted to have you on here for a hot minute, and I'm just I'm, I'm happy I, I reached out and you were just like sure, let's do it.
2: And oh, um, I've been waiting by I've been waiting by the phone for a while trying to trying to get the invite, so I, I, I was ready and willing. Good to hear. I mean, you, um,
1: I mean, a lot of people who work around shoes know you. Like, there's a lot of people behind the scenes that put out the work that we all enjoy, and uh, the 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 recognition doesn't always get out there. So we're, we're going to throw a little shine behind you. Um, talk about, again, it's like some of your past favorite events, your journey and kind of how you got started in sneakers. But um, with every episode, we like to start off with like what you've been rocking. Like what what kind of shoes have been on the foot of Ian? I know you like to rock some weird things and like mess around with outsoles and uppers and do some weird shit. So like what's what's been on your feet?
2: Yeah. I mean, I got to be honest, you know, uh, quarantine's been a little boring for me in that regard. Uh, You know, early on when, uh, you know, it kind of felt like it was going to be a one month thing, maybe a one week, you know, two month, whatever. uh, I was spending a lot of time at the park just, you know, shooting hoops by myself. And that park has since been like under construction and closed. But, you know, yeah, during then I was playing in a bunch of basically like late 2000s, uh, early 2010s retro stuff like uh, Penny 2s, uh, Jordan 3s, old foams, their unlimited and stuff like that. And everything was falling apart. Um, actually, shoot, I even got a, from a boy up in uh, Portland where you're at, uh, Dr. Funk, a pair of OGVC shocks and played in those one and done and, you know, uh, melted right through them. But, Right now during quarantine, man, honestly, the, the rotation has been pretty simple. Um, probably my most worn piece of footwear is, uh, the easy slides, like the ones from the, uh, the two chains wedding photo. Um, (laughs) my old intern, uh, Mike, he gave those to me before he headed back to China. So, uh, my go-to slide with, uh, you know, a lot of just kind of errands and, you know, you know, occasional beach day or moving around like that. Uh, Aside from that, like if I am stepping out, which, you know, isn't a ton, um, kind of the go-tos have been the Rockefeller Air Force One Lowe's and, uh, Killer. man, I'm going to lose all my credit because I always forget the official name of this shoe, but, uh, the off, the, the yellow off whites with the, uh, the big like Zoom sole and the the track spikes in the bottom, you know which ones I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Um, Oh, it's like a a waffle. Um, it's it. a It's not the. It's not like the low profile waffle. It's the one that's like a women's size and got the overextended swoosh.
1: I know. Exa- I know exactly which one you're talking about. I can see it in my head. Um, right, just-
2: dude, well, I'm glad that it's a it's a hard to title shoe. Um, but yeah, actually, last time I was in your neck of the woods in Portland, I went to the employee store with uh our guy Nick to Paula and wanted some adapt bbs to hoop in they didn't have the black joints in my size and was about to leave and just saw a whole table um full of these shoes tried them on they made me about an inch and a half taller uh felt like super comfy and i got them so uh those in the rockefeller air force ones have been my casual shoes and then hoops has kind of moved strictly indoors uh some places with masks, some without. But um, I've been playing in the Air Jordan Thirty Four, the uh, Kobe Nine great Elite, and the uh, the Kobe Seven, uh, the Cheetahs.
1: Man, all great shoes. Yeah. Um, it, it's the Vapor Street, is the uh, um, yeah. Vapor Street. Because I have the Waffle ones. I have two pairs of the Waffles because I got those from the employee store too. Oh like forty percent off. Like, why not <laughs> at this oh, point? Yeah. Um, that's always heartbreaking though, cause I know what you're talking about. They have like the BB section and it's the big boxes and they never really have that many sizes in them. So it's, it's tough, but, uh, not as tough as those easy slides Cause I, I see, I see the pair you're talking about. And at first I thought you meant the foam ones, but these oh. are like, these are like, um, pillows with straps on them, right?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. The gray joints and, <laughs> that's uh, crazy. I mean, like they literally have holes in the bottom. They've been worn so much. Like I, I need to, I need to throw them out or get something new, but I haven't, uh, haven't seen a slide that's caught my eye yet. So, uh, they're, they're getting a lot of burn. You got to text me a
1: photo of like the, the on foot looking down perspective. So I can make that, the, the, the cover photo of this, uh, of oh,
2: this. Man, I might not get a lot of listens in, but we'll see.
1: Oh, that's hilarious. That's just such an out there shoe. Um, all that old Nike basketball stuff, that's going to be a good part of what we talk about today. Cause I feel like you're one of those fellow, just like Nike basketball heads. Like you like other stuff, you wear other stuff, but just like, is it accurate to say that there's like Nike basketball hits different?
2: Oh yeah. That's a hundred percent the core. I mean, like definitely I was thinking about it, you know, earlier today. And like, as somebody that grew up like basketball obsessed in the nineties, uh, you know, there was a lot of players with different brands, so I wasn't like just Nike. Um, but to be fair, I think the Nike stuff, hits the hardest and is aged the best. You know, I mean, I still got a lot of love for Adidas stuff from that era, you know, Reebok and one Jordan, obviously, uh, you name it. But yeah, Nike basketball, man. I mean, if I had to, uh, if, if I was someone on a deserted island, that's what I bring with me. You know, hopefully there's a there's a basketball hoop out there.
1: If you made a my creator, um, my create player on 2K, you'd get signed by Nike Basketball. I mean, it's funny you say that because I wear, last time I was home, I found my Mac 2s and 3s by Adidas. Yeah. And those have not aged quite as well as some of their contemporaries from Nike Basketball. So it's just interesting. Um, but that's really cool, though. I mean, it's like, it sounds like this from being a basketball head in the 90s, that probably helped prepare you for the kind of stuff you've been doing as an adult. I know it helped me. I know sitting in the grocery store, checking out slam kicks while my parents were doing stuff or even just like slam magazine when my parents were doing stuff, just like soaking in information as a kid has really helped as an adult. That's some, that talks about shoes. So, um, where'd you grow up? Um, like what's, what was your favorite pair of shoes growing up? and um how did like the love for sneakers start
2: yeah so i grew up in okamas michigan uh it's right outside of lansing michigan um where magic johnson's from east Uh, yeah actually i did a little deep dive on my hometown randomly today on wikipedia and i found there's uh a few a-listers from there too uh i guess seth meyers went to the same elementary school as me uh yeah pretty cool but um yeah so grew up in mid michigan uh family in Michigan and Indiana. um I love his sneakers and basketball definitely stemmed from my cousin ty um my uh mom's a nephew my cousin uh uncle dwayne and aunt sally's son uh down in Indiana. and he was you know he's four years older than me, so he was kind of like big brother figure I always looked to him and I mean, I was always it was like every Christmas I was just like a year behind, you know what he got the last year, so I kind of had to you know read the East Bay, you know memorize it front and back, so I knew what I wanted and uh yeah, as a kid uh the shoes that definitely stuck out the most uh the reebok Shack Gnosis and the uh the uh Nike Airphone posit one uh probably probably the defining shoes of my childhood for sure
1: man, so like I, I am a I am a hard, I'm very adamant that like the Shaq Gnosis should only come in black and white. Like that, that's like a perfect shoe. Like I'm Nike basketball too, but that Shaq Gnosis will forever go hard. Like that's a great shoe. And the phone posit needs no introduction. So, I mean, like, um, how, how old were you when that kind of stuff was happening? You're four years behind, but
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I guess um, Shacknosis would have been 95, Um, Mm 96-ish. So, third grade, eight, nine years old. Um, Phone pause, you know, year two after that. Um, So, you know, the Shacknosis I actually got. um, And that was like everything to me, like first day of school, third grade, new school, all that. Um, And the phone posit was definitely, you know, for a kid that could be, Uh, spoiled by a lot of definitions, uh, privilege for sure. The phone positive one was just never going to happen. You know, like even, you know, my mom wasn't going to drop $180 on a 10 year old shoes. Um, I even, uh, my mom was like always made my Halloween costumes and was like really good at that and really detail oriented. So I decided to be Mike Bibby for Halloween in fifth grade in hopes that she'd give me the shoes, um, (laughs) which, uh, I, you know, I I executed, I had to beat Grizzlies, Mike Vivian said Arizona, Mike Vivian. I, I didn't get the shoes, but, um, yeah, I mean, that was the one shoe that was just always super elusive. You know, I mean, when you talk about like being in the grocery store, you know, I appreciate you saying that, you know, that makes me like, I can put myself back in, you know, the L&L or Meijer grocery store I was at growing up looking at, you know, the slam magazines or, you know, Playmakers was in Meridian Mall was like the one store that had the foam posit ones. And, you know, going back years later thinking, like, man, maybe there's randomly some pair in the, you know, the stock room or whatever. But uh yeah, those were the shoes and definitely um elementary school, you know, uh, you know, third, fourth, fifth grade is when uh the obsession definitely cultivated.
1: And that's like I'm sure a lot of our listeners not only started having their love start there, but that's all relative. You know, you can be 11, 12 years old now and begin that same kind of feels from a LeBron 16, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. But uh, our listeners have to, our OG listeners have to feel that because the phone posit, I mean, anytime it Retro's every site has whole fanfare for it because it deserves it. It's that important. But when you live through it or like you were around it at that time, it's just like it shows we did a whole episode about how powerful Penny Hardaway was at that time. And I know you said Mike Bibby because, you know, he typically is, you know, the debuter of the shoe, but just like everything surrounding the phone posit just like created, I would say like genuine hype Just you were hyped to see that shoe in the mall. You were hyped to see some kid at school wearing it. Just like, hype like the definition is this really cool time and a really cool shoe
2: yeah the shoe shoe was uh the shoe was an event in that just like nobody actually had it you know and it wasn't because it was so expensive it wasn't super commercially successful but yeah like anytime you saw it in real life or even like years later when like Igadala pulled out a pair for the rookie sophomore game or you know, I think Down Faison wore a pair or two for the celebrity game. It was always like a oh shit thing, you know. So yeah, it's a big shoe to me.
1: Man, it's just uh, funny how like oh four hundred bucks for a BB adapt isn't that big of a deal, but uh, hundred eighty yeah. bucks in the nineties is like you're 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 breaking banks. Um, so I mean, how did how did you use that to kind of start getting into sneakers like? And not just like into sneakers as a fan, but into sneakers in terms of like media and being a part of it from the other side. How did that yeah, out? I, mean, I think
2: this from jump, like it just kind of became my thing. You know, like it was definitely like any money that I was going to be making mowing the lawn was going to go to shoes. Uh, you know, whatever I was going to ask for Christmas or my birthday was going to be shoes, and that obsession just kind of. Always stayed there, and I mean, I think that you know, I mean, to be honest, like you know it kind of my journey with shoes and just my life in general was you know still a pretty easy one, but you know it did have its wines, you know, like getting cut from the basketball team growing up, like I felt like I kind of had to love sneakers in a different way, or like that was kind of an attachment to that, um even in high school, you know, I played football and shoot, I had the Air Mission cleats my sophomore year. I had the Pro Model cleats my junior year and the Jordan 14 cleats my senior year. So it was always, you know, still webbed into sports like that. And the flip side too is like, I always say in a lot of ways, like Nike talk was kind of like my anti-drug. Like, you know, I don't know if that sounds corny in the world we live in now, but it's the truth. Like, better in there.
1: Like, that's Yeah, cool.
2: I mean... I just knew with sports and my folks that I couldn't really get caught up in some of that stuff, or it just wasn't me. I wasn't mentally or emotionally enough, mature enough to mess around with that. So if I was staying home on a Friday or Saturday or whatever in high school, you know, like funny enough, I was reading stuff Nick was writing on Nike talk, you know, just because like he loved it that much. And I was just, I always had that mindset, of, you know, I, I, you know, I want to learn as much about stuff I I like as I can. So, um, you know, then fast forward to college, you know, still in the shoes. Uh I, you know, my junior year, I'm applying for all types of internships here No or nothing. You know, have good grades and extracurriculars and all this. Uh Nice Kicks was a site I frequented. Uh your man uh Nick Ingvall, wrote the uh the the post with the Uncle Sam picture saying we're looking for interns. I shot him a writing sample. I thought nothing of it just because I'd heard no or nothing from everybody And uh in the uh Michigan State Library, I get a call So remember I had on Air Jordan twenties and a Alpha Project shirt and uh, some USA basketball shorts and uh it was uh you know it was Matt and uh you know, you want to intern. And I was like, shoot, you know, maybe I hadn't really thought about it and you know, thank God they liked my writing and I did, and that definitely uh, you know, that was kind of the first step in the uh professional journey, if you will.
1: That's so funny. It was like, oh, like I didn't, I didn't think of the next step. I kind of just put it in, in and uh,
2: yeah, no, absolutely. Like I said it literally. You know, I had an interview with the Pacers that I like bombed because I was staying up because I was supposed to hang out with some girl I liked, and she blew me off. So, like, it was just kind of like a bunch of stuff that, you know, I mean, I would say a lot of times stuff that makes the least sense ends up making the most. Um. And you know when I look at internships that I applied to that, you know I was really confident that I was good enough to do or get or whatever, um, and it didn't work out. You know I'm really grateful and didn't because I'm really happy. You know the way my life's gone and where I landed.
1: That's such an important lesson because you can either be you can either be like disgruntled by it or uh, you know hurt or just not want to get back up on the horse, the proverbial horse. But like, if you don't keep trying, it's, it's not going to magically happen. I remember um, I had an interview at Nike and I was at Deadstock Coffee and I was talking to Ian Williams and not to be mean, he was like, what are you going to do if you don't get it? <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, well, I keep trying. He's like, all right, like, that's, that's the right answer. Because it's like a lot of people think – You know, they have an interview with the Pacers or they have an interview with Google or wherever it might be. And they think like, okay, they got the interview. Like they like me. This is locked in or, you know, whatever. And you don't get it. But then the next important thing is the next move. So this, you know, you you can get it's an old Dwayne Wade commercial. I believe, you know, this one.
2: Yep. Uh,
1: Fall seven times, stand up eight or maybe it's fall eight and get up nine. Something like that. Um. But that commercial always stuck with me and I literally see him getting, it's a montage of him falling, driving to the paint over and over again. And I've always just like kept that mindset of just like, dude, you fall, you fall down you don't get what you want. You, you got to try one more time.
2: And that's, and that's what worked out for you and uh, power to you. <laughs> oh, appreciate that. Got lucky. But yeah, I mean, yeah, the more, the more you try, the luckier you get and the better you get too.
1: Mm-hmm. Is, uh, with each writing sample you, you, you get a little bit better so you get the internship what is what do those next couple of years look like like how did how did you evolve from the new guy to the dude that was you know running that bitch <laughs> but you were doing so much man I mean it's like uh I mean came up under Nick I'm um, so like who I guess it's a multifaceted question what were the next couple of years like and then like Who who were your mentors and like who helped show you how to get better?
2: Yeah, I mean, one and the same, man. I mean, I had really great mentors. Like that summer that I interned, um, you know, I really just tried to to learn as I really tried to, I'll be honest, like recognize and take everybody's strength. You know, like for Nick, like, man, he just always wrote with so much passion. I mean, it's not surprising, you know, Tupac's is, you know, favorite rapper, but like he really put emotion into his writing. And I mean, I think that's even all the more important now because, you know, in the world of, you know, everything's a commodity or whatever, there's kind of a lack of emotion or passion. So, you know, I definitely took that from Nick. Um, George, just like the consummate professional, like, you know, always on time, moved, you know, really well, like... Just, you know, really good leader, everything like that. Uh, Peter Sim, like super connected. Um, definitely like, you know, knew everybody in music and things like that. Um, Greg Grovey, man, just like the coolest dude in the world. Just always laid back. Um, I always, I try to be like him when I talk talk to celebrities. Like he just was always like himself and very sure of himself and then you know like Matt and allison taught me a bunch you know what i mean aside from giving me the opportunity just like you know you know allison kind of let it be known from jump that like we're competing with magazines in the quality of our writing and our imagery and stuff like that so you know i was never i mean blogger can have positive or negative connotations but i was just like if you give me a a laptop and, you know, all the time in the world by myself for five minutes with somebody to talk to, like, I'm trying to whoop GQ's ass or Sports mm-hmm. Illustrated or whoever else, you know, like, mm-hmm. not to say I always did, but, you know, you have a canvas, you know, I think anybody has a chance to create. Um And then we're shoot, coming I mean, for
1: you Harris. We're coming, for you Harris. Okay. It, we're coming for you, Darrell Harris. I was just saying,
2: we're coming for you, Drell Harris. Yeah. Yeah, Jarrell's a great dude, man. <laughs> Shout out to him. I liked his react reality interview a lot. Oh um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, the uh the you know, the internet, if nothing else, man, it's it's democratized a lot of things to include, I mean, I kinda hate the word content, but you know, it 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 has, you know. So, you know, anybody can, you know, you, the best documentary could be made by somebody on YouTube, you know. You you never know, and I think that's cool. So uh yeah, you know, I just, uh, I learned a lot from them. Uh, my fellow interns, Evan, Tripp, Mike P, Bert, Andrew, uh, AKA Satchmo, you know, all those guys, like we had a really tight knit, um, group and honestly just worked my ass off. Like, uh, I think, uh, you know, there, there are other people who are good at writing too, um, before, after, since, but, Uh, I think if I can hang my head on anything, it's productivity. I always put out a lot of stuff and just worked really hard. So, you know, a combination of, you know, great mentorship, uh, amazing opportunity from the half hills um, and, you know, just kind of hard work and good luck.
1: Um, There's a Tom Sachs saying where uh, the reward for good work is more good work. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like you personify that. And it's, and it's good because, I mean, you've paid it forward. I mean, I consider you a mentor of mine, um, of, I mean, many people, I mean, we have a lot of the same friends and it's like you've influenced other people's writings the same way Nick influenced yours. And it's, it's kind of in a, in a perfect world, it's circular. Like you, you yes. put into the circle and the circle gives back to you, but you got to give back to the circle. So that that's great. I mean, Mr. Torres had nice kicks. Um, he's saying that uh, a good Ianism is that like you know something like the the perks are just that they're, they're perks. Like the work and the consistency and the volume and the passion. That's that's where that's where like the the magic is. Like getting a free box of Jordans. Like that's that's only because you've worked thirty hours behind the screen. And you've done the legwork behind it. A lot of people to see influencers or whatnot is like, oh, I got a new package. Look at these, and they think it's just getting enough followers or um, being hot enough. And it, it's really the people working hard. in in a perfect world, <laughs> I mean, it's not always not always going that way. But uh, you're the type of person I think of where it's just like, man, just just put the hard hat on and just. Get it done. Get her done.
2: Oh, it, but it's just- Yeah. I, I, like I said, I actually, I talked to Luis last night, so that's awesome. Um, but yeah, I want to be fair, man. I saw from George, like George Keel. He never asked for shit, but opportunities, you know what I mean? And I always really took that to heart. I go, man, the, because I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, we all want to get free stuff. We all want to go on trips We all want to, you know, interview cool people and all, you know, this, that, and the third. And he just always asked for work. You know, he wasn't, you know, thirsting, you know, asking for a bunch of free stuff or product. And he got the most. So I was like, shoot, if the person who asked for the least gets the most, that's what I'm going to do. And yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, my own Robbie ism is you got to be hungry, not thirsty. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Very well put. The big difference between being thirsty and hungry. So I mean like all right, you you brought up events, you brought up going to stuff. What are three of your favorite like just cool sneaker moments, events you got to take part of you've taken part of so far?
2: Oh man, I mean shoot, over over a decade there's like a thousand, but uh one that always comes to mind was uh and I know we've talked about this before, but uh this past summer, uh or not the twenty nineteen summer. Uh, Paris, uh, Jordan brand. I mean, that was, I mean, there was so many amazing things from staying up till three in the morning to go to ASAP Rocky show in a club by myself, to having to wake up at six in the morning to do up and under layups on Blake Griffin and being half awake. Um, but to see Michael Jordan in real life, I mean, bro, I fucking, a smiled so hard I almost cried, man. You know, like it was just, uh, you know, I mean, I got blessed by George to uh, uh, have his media pass to Kobe's last game in San Antonio because uh, him and his wife, Tasha, had plans. So between him and my buddy, Jordan, I was in like the room for his last interview, um, you know, like pregame press conference in San Antonio in the Ooh. locker room afterwards. And like Kobe was... A hundred percent my guy, um, especially like ninety-six to ninety-eight, uh Kobe. But even then, Mike, it was still just like you don't believe it's a real person. Um, so yeah, Jordan Brand, uh Kai 54, Fashion Week, uh 2019. Um, definitely all the stuff with Adidas and Derrick Rose. I mean, I know Sid and I uh with you know Jeff Tilia from Adidas uh did basically Gotten from nick as well um essentially like the d-rose six uh campaign with interviews and stuff uh prior to that i had the the second interview with him and i guess it would have been the rose four launch and you know a guy that i made friends with uh at the event was like you know oh man you know like how is he is he cool to talk to and stuff like that because you know he's from chicago and you know just covering it for complex and i was like man great dude, super nice. Don't even worry about him. That's Sean. That's, uh, why am I blanking on his uh, name? Sean from hot ones. Uh, now, <laughs> uh, you know, who's the the best interviewer in the world? Uh, awesome dude right there. Um, but you know, definitely the, the childhood dream was, uh, my guy Svi from stance, uh, putting together the Jason Williams, uh, I don't know, fantasy camp. I think that's what they call it. It makes it sound like it's fantasy sports or it's like Harry Potter or something, but, um, basically playing pickup ball with Jason Williams, which, uh, I mean, that's like, other than, you know, my mom, my dad and my cousin, Ty, that's like my biggest hero. So, um, that was 10 out of 10, man. Everything I could ever wish for.
1: That's everybody's hero. A lot yeah. of people's hero and your hero. So that's, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good list. I, I cannot front. That's very impressive. Uh, the San Antonio Kobe thing, man. I mean, like I never got to meet him and I, I can just, the way you describe that is just like, not mad, not real, like believing is a real person. And I, I that's, that's, that's sick, dude.
2: That's yeah, sick. It was, yeah. It's still, I'm, I'm glad I, you know, I, uh, I need to thank George again for that opportunity, man, because George is, you know, I still remember when George called me the first time he interviewed Kobe in 2010 and was just like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened because George is the biggest Kobe fan out there. So yeah, it was pretty cool.
1: So I, th- when, I think of, when I think of white chocolate, I think of the Knicks and I think of you. Like those are like the three biggest, like, I mean, the Kings connection for the Knicks. But like what... What drew you to, to Jason Williams?
2: Um, You know, it was kind of one of those, It definitely as a fan, it wasn't love at first sight. It was the opposite because, like I said, I was a big Mike Bibby fan. So I watched the draft every year, top to bottom. And, you know, I hear people talking about, oh, Jason Williams, actually the best point guard in the draft. You know, he's going to win Rookie of the Year and not Mike Bibby. So I hated him. I, you know, I didn't know nothing about him. I just didn't like him. Um, And, you know, kind of the opposite of, like, I just instantly loved Kobe because I was like, oh, this guy's young, you know, he's like me, you know, even though, you know, he's, you know, 17 and I'm seven. Um, But I just remember one day walking to school um, and my buddy Tony, who was always infinitely cooler than me and putting me up on stuff, and he's like, Man, like, did you see Jason Williams on Sports Center? And he's like, you know, air dribbling, doing the move, you know. And then he's like, oh, you know, like he's like he's like the best, or he's so sick. And then he's like, oh, do you hear Ricky Martin? Like, he's the best singer, you know. Like, so that kind of, you know, takes me back to that era or whatever. But, um, you know, I I just basically got won over by his game and, uh it's a shame because I used to, sh- I used to shoot the ball. You know, I used to try to be like Kobe when I was little. And then I just, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think I, I probably went about 10 years without practicing a jump shot, man. I was just throwing the ball behind my back every chance I got. But um, yeah, just the fun and creativity he with the game. Um, showmanship, making his teammates better. Um, you know, just my all time favorite, man. Nobody close
1: we all, I mean Kobe's my all-time favorite so it's it's funny how you say you took jump shots like Kobe because as another white dude of average height we're not dunking the ball like Kobe so that's a, a very uh, big distinction on on like on what you can do as a fan and like yeah. that's what makes Steph Curry so relatable it's what makes Trey Young so relatable the same thing that made Jason Williams the passing it's something that Anybody can do, but you have to, to do it at the level they do it, you have to be this like next level with it. You have to be practicing every day, probably not taking jump shots if you're Jason Williams or you, but just like working on the craft all the time and being able to emulate that to some level as an average fan or an average basketball player, it just makes them like reachable. And like, oh, I could be like that. And you could relate. And it's just, it's so cool. So, like, you didn't like, so did he have to get to Sacramento for you to be, like, a fan? And then it kind of popped off and you were a fan ever since, or?
2: I think he just had to be all over SportsCenter, to be honest with you. Um, You know, that exposure, um, you know, my friends hyping him up and stuff. and. Just kind of the timing, you know, and also to realizing, you know, like, you know, my first favorite player was Shaq. And then it's like, well, you know, I'm probably going to be a center. I'm going to be a guard, you know, and then Kobe. And then, like you say, you know, you kind of do the mental math of like, you know, who can you really be like? And, you know, just based on my relative athleticism, you know, he seemed like a good comp. And just, you know, I really had a lot of fun watching his game. And I mean, I always liked flashy and flamboyant players. I mean, Jamal Crawford is probably second on my list, you know, Ray for Austin probably third, you know. So I knew you were gonna say that. Skip. Yeah, skips, yeah, skip, skips right there. Um, or at least, you know, and one skip. Uh, mm-hmm. uh NBA skip was a little mild. Um, still a fan, but yeah, uh Skip, uh Skip, like, you know, teenage skip and ninety-four threes. Uh, that's, that's my guy.
1: It's, that was like that mixtape life was a very special time in the world. Um, yeah. It was on ESPN two all the time. Also, you could just like turn on ESPN two. I mean, that was after Rafer was really in and one that was like more the professor time, but, uh, still it's a lot of fun. I mean, Jason Williams, this is one thing that like a lot of people don't ever think about very often. He had a lengthy career with An one towards the end. Like, I mean, he finished out kind of rocking whatever he wanted to, but there was a hot minute in Memphis where he was like Mr. And one.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he had some great like print ads for them. He had some cool PEs. Um, You know, I think that, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's tough to say, you know, I mean, if I think if they would have maybe had a little bit more of a finger on the pulse of who he was and what, what he was going to become like, that would have been a layup signing. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I, you know, I was literally at the mall the day the hyperflight came out, you know, like and before, you know, first come first serve was a thing or not that it was ever going to be for that shoe. But like, you know, like I saw it in like, you know, the purple yeah, I got the baby blue pair. Um, the purple pair is still would love to have, um, actually I wore it my first day of uh, full time and nice kicks. I wore hyperflights black and red. From a, athletes connection in Lansing, Michigan. But yeah, it it would have been kind of wild if the the dice would have rolled differently, and, and Jay will would have been on, and one from the jump, and you know some of those early Kings days would have been in Tai Chi P's or you know what that would have looked like.
1: Those Kings teams had this, such diversity with their footwear, and I mean like Jason Williams is one of those people who never had a signature shoe, but everybody knows what he was rocking. Like he. I mean, due to his ability to get on sports center every night, like Nike had to have known that and really outfitted him and whatever was cool at that time. So, I mean, like one of Nick's favorite shoes and one that's, I believe yet to be retro is like from his rookie year, or if not, maybe his second, I think it was his rookie year. Um, the air holistic of tempo, like is one of those unicorns from Nike basketball that nobody ever talks about. Um, you ever um do you ever have like a urge to cop that one if they were to ever retro? Does that do it for you?
2: Um, you know, I like the holistic. You know, it's it's funny because that was like, and a lot of it has to do with just like player attachment, like Jay Will wearing them. I remember shoot when I was in middle school, uh, one of the older kids I looked up to, Grant Tungate, had a pair. So it was kind of like the cool team shoe, but it's like that. It was like a team shoe with, like, Alpha Project design language, like, in terms of the swooping lines. So, yeah, I mean, if they, if they brought them back, I'd be hard-pressed not to get a pair.
1: I mean, so you got those, and then a whole bunch. I mean, we're going really light on the shoe stuff because it's more about Ian today than sneakers. But just, like, people sleep on his ability to rock, like, gangster Nike shock shoes. So, yeah. like, the shock supremacy, gangster The stunner gangster the bb4 needs no introduction like vc2s like how nike hasn't retroed any of the vince carter stuff is beyond me but just like he rocked so many different shoes but just like the shock stuff is such a specific time in life where you think vince carter you think like you know what vin baker no he wore jordans i can't think of anybody else really wearing shocks other than vince and jason williams
2: uh sean marion jermaine o'neal um oh, you, those, uh, about, and, you know i guess a lot of the Pout kind of you know uh three four four fives at the time but yeah i mean it's funny that jason was really organically such as shocks uh you know in you know endorser you know like uh, kind of you know like i said organically because when you look at his style of playing, his build, you know, he's not a uh, he's not an above the rim or, you know, heavy build, you know, uh, big impact guy. But, yeah, I mean, because of him, I had, you know, all black shock stunners from Foot Locker, you know, the day they came out. Same thing.
1: That's, I mean, I want that shoe so bad. I mean, I said that about the BB4 and I, I didn't buy a pair because I know ultimately shocks aren't that comfortable. But, like, the stunner and the Supremacy dude just – And and all the Jermaine O'Neal. If you're going to bring up Jermaine O'Neal, all that like 2004, 2006 stuff in that window is bangers. Yeah, Um,
2: there's some sick stuff for sure.
1: I mean, we could probably go all day about old shoes. And we talked about your love for, you know, the Hyperflight and the Foamposite. But now as an adult, like what's what's, like the most – like what's your favorite shoe? It's like the hardest question to ask. Like what's like your favorite shoe – you had to go on that island, what's the one shoe you're bringing?
2: Man, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I guess it'd have to be a basketball shoe because if I'm on an island, uh, I'm probably going to be barefoot on the sand as much as possible and enjoying the beach. But hopefully there's a court somewhere. But um, dang, that's tough. I mean, you know, as kind of like a Wilson, you know, like castaway relic. It's still probably have to be the foam positive one just for... You know, sentimental value. Um never loved playing in foam posits like I've done it, but um a little heavy for me. Uh, but dang, that's a good question. One shoe on an island. I'm trying to think what I've been searching for or hmm. Maybe uh, you know, they, they came across when I was on, on Soul Savvy today, I saw somebody just randomly stumbling on a pair, but maybe a uh, O2 Raptor sevens. I always like playing in those um, good memories. So yeah, maybe a uh, total wildcard or Kobe fives. I mean, uh, George and I that summer 2009, 2010 must've each gone through 10 pairs, any pair that we could get our hands on. So that's a, that's still a big one for me,
1: man. Those are, those are both fantastic picks. I'm just trying to think, when's the next time you're going to be able to get your hands on 10 pairs of Kobe
2: fives. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, this is unfair because Nick Nick Ingvall actually has them, but uh, all time grill, man, the, uh, the platinum posit flight posit threes. uh, If I could get a if I could, if I had a pair of pair of those on my hands, uh, or I guess rather on my feet, being uh, alone on an Island wouldn't be so bad. It'd be important
1: for that. The straps across the laces to not be, broken either every pair of those I've seen now are just crumbling like those are dinosaurs but uh, fantastic dinosaurs Um, but man I I appreciate you taking the time to you know talk about your journey and to get to know you a little bit better Um, you you said you were on Soul Savvy like what's what kind of projects um, is there anything you're plugging now or anything you want to you know spotlight before
2: we head out of here shoot that's a good question i mean i've been doing you know a lot of different riding um soul savvy i think we've got one coming out on the jordan 34 that should be pretty cool i guess i'm hoping that's this week it's done so i guess yeah we'll see when it runs um been doing some stuff uh for company cali barbecue outside of footwear which has been fun really good people there um then some stuff for complex and uh did some stuff for Jordan Brand. Hope, hopefully some more with both of them. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, I tell you, man, it's, it's tough pitching features to, to Soul Savvy because every time I think I got a good idea, I'm like, oh, no, Robbie already did that one. I got, I got to come up with something else. Ah, uh, man, I'm just trying to get like you. Hey, that's, I mean, number, we're Bron and Kobe trending right now, man. You got both those guys' numbers, man. So salute to you.
1: We're, we're trying, dude. We're trying. But uh, salute back. And uh,
2: where can they find you on uh, social media? Uh, shoot, really just Instagram. I have a Twitter, but it's only on my desktop. I don't really use it. Uh I hear that? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty much like one form of social media. So I guess Instagram or uh, uh, text Robbie, get my phone number, just give me a call. I'm, I'm easy to reach.
1: Sounds good, man. But, hey, thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate your time. Make sure you're following Sneaker History. Um, Check out our Patreon. Check out the Discord. A lot of good stuff going on there. But uh, everybody have a good day. Take it easy.
0: Thank you. What up, y'all? This is Nick again. First, I wanted to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. It really means a lot that you would spend a part of your day rocking with us. Before you take off, I wanted to ask a few favors. If you're looking for more content from the Sneaker History crew, head over to patreon.com slash sneakerhistory our patreon members get access to exclusive episodes of the podcast our latest merch giveaways and much more you can become a member for as little as five bucks a month and it really goes a long way supporting the crew next make sure you're signed up for our email newsletter we share updates about the footwear business some of our favorite finds and deals and other sneaker related news a couple times per week I like to think of it as a one-stop shop for the sneaker game or at least a work in progress, one-stop shop for the sneaker game. If you know what I mean, last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today, whether online or in person, social distancing and effective course, it helps make the sneaker community a better place. And you never know what the conversation and opportunity might come from it. As always, we appreciate you and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, Hey, Nick here again, before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the sneaker history podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.